Hey guys, Mike and Brad here from Office of the CISO, and in today's podcast episode, we are going to discuss nation-state actors, I guess. Yeah. Kind of, you know, what that is and <laughs> some recent news events that we've seen that are kind of related. So, stay tuned. <laughs> so, primary discussion points for today's podcast are going to be centered around ransomware. I would like, if you are listening or watching, for you to comment how you are combating and preventing ransomware from owning your organization and uh, questions and concerns that you have. At the end of this video, we're going to cover what we think are the three big hitters for us, and then we'll see where your comments ended up. All right, guys. So, as mentioned, we're going to be discussing nation-state actors, nation-threat actors, whatever you want to call them, and uh, you know what actually like constitutes that. But also, um, <laughs> we're going to talk about some articles we've seen as of late. One of which is kind of ironic, considering the company that's being misused for it but you know um but anyways brad what do you consider a nation state actor like what is that when you when you hear that what comes to mind so a nation state like threat actor um i would consider that to be somebody that's either directly like a, a group of attackers that's either directly employed by a particular nation state or um a, a group of attackers that's funded, it may be very loosely funded, but anything that's got the backing of a nation state in their uh, their hacking activities, I consider that to be a nation state actor. Yeah, or any organization that just doesn't get in trouble by the state country they're in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, then my opinion, not going after them yeah. is kind of supporting them. If they're giving yeah, them top definitely. cover, yeah. So mine's much more simple. Um but that's because I don't go in as much detail as Brad does. And I apologize, I'm losing my voice a little bit. It's not a bad thing. It is what it is. <laughs> it keeps the stupidity and the vulgarity at a minimum. Um, when someone goes, oh, it's a nation-state actor, I just think of countries like China. Yeah. North Korea. Mother Russia. Mother Russia. You know, oh, Mother Russia. Right. But, you know, it's, it's usually foreign countries, and I would even call them both ally and enemy because we're all hacking each other, right? Yeah, because you you can't we we can't say this like the U.S. and in the middle of it. I mean, we're we're a state actor, right? It's just you know it's the people in Russia that are pissed off at us, or well, yeah, and and we tend to do things under the guise of uh, national security, um, which remember. one could say China is in their own right. behalf, right? Right. It's all about whose side of the fence you happen to reside on. Yeah, and and that that's a good point. I know that part of um, part of China's business mindset that they consider it a good business practice to break into other people's environments. If they're gonna, if they're planning on doing business with somebody, they'll hack into their environments to see if they're telling them the truth or see if there's uh, maybe debts they're unaware of. Um, just to do that, that's kind of their see if there's any politicians they could blackmail. Well, there's that, there's that, but that that's part of their research process. They're thorough and yeah. committed. Yeah, yeah. So, the, and they don't look at it as a bad thing, um, whereas we do. We look at it as you know an illegal activity. But uh, China, they just consider it business practice. It's just what they do. Yeah. Which kind of led us. So, just like everyone else on the planet that works in cybersecurity in some fashion, we read the hackernews.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a couple of articles on there specifically talking about North Korea, which. 
it's interesting because I started bad mouth in China immediately. <laughs> um, talking about North Korean hackers, you know, state associated crime syndicates basically targeting healthcare with ransomware. That one's dark reading. Yeah. That article is a dark reading article. No, it's on uh, Hacker News as well. Hacker News is the AP- APT 37 one. No, it's not. For real. I mean, the same article is probably syndicated across multiples. Okay, okay. Never mind. (laughs) So there's this article on the Hacker News. (laughs) It's available elsewhere as well, but I happen to be reading it from the Hacker News, talking specifically about North Korean hackers targeting healthcare institutions abroad Mm -hmm. with ransomware, specifically to fund illicit activities. Mm -hmm. So... Makes you think that they're obviously not getting funded by North Korea. Maybe not entirely. Not entirely. It's, yeah. Their funding is through just being left alone. Well, and they, they yeah, very, quite likely. Uh, the, and they could also this could be an extra pot of income that they have for I don't know to do. It's like in America, we raise taxes and then yeah, we'll do this, that, and the other. We yeah. won't cut spending. Well, and if you've got a group of folks that have a particular project in mind or uh, an R and D concept that they want to get in place, you don't want to use your money for that. Yeah. Yeah, we don't want to pull out a budget. We can go make it by hacking healthcare facilities in America. Exactly. If you read deeper into the article, it looks like they're not just focusing on healthcare either. They're they're going for critical infrastructure facilities, which makes sense. Um, and several intelligence agencies across the U.S. and South Korea, because you know the South Koreans are watching the North Koreans like hawks. Yeah. You know that whole proximity thing. Mm-hmm. Um. And they issued a joint advisory, which has CISA, some details, yeah. right? CISA did. Yeah, CISA and South Korea, in, in, uh, CISA and South Korea published a joint advisory uh, document back on February 9th that kind of lays out specifics behind the attacks, um, who they attribute the activity to, related IOCs, file names, file hashes, uh, IP addresses, websites, and things like that as part of the attack. Um, and they do name the... Democratic, what is it? Democratic People Republic of Korea, DPRK, North Korea for short. Yeah, those guys. They 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 name those guys as the threat actors um, in all this activity. And I'll I'll say, I I know that they're trying to get things done. I know they're trying to do whatever they're trying to do. I don't appreciate them attacking healthcare facilities though. That yeah. kind of that kind of makes me angry. So I. I understand the idea of attacking healthcare from a strictly monetary perspective, right? Right. Like if I was an unethical hacker, yeah, a, a criminal of the world, mm-hmm. and I wanted a bunch of money, I wouldn't rent somewhere a hospital. That's, I mean, that's a quick cash grab, sure, but I mean, you get caught doing that, and the treasury yeah. has actual things against that for anyone that helps you, right? But um, no, I, I just don't. I guess I don't appreciate them attacking healthcare facilities because of the impact that it has. Um, yeah, someone's going through surgery, and all the terminals yeah, are ransomed up. All of a sudden, everything's shut down, and they can't complete the surgery. People die, things like that. And especially with these remote, there's a lot more uh, robot-driven surgeries and yeah. procedures these days. Oh yeah. So all of a sudden, you know, I have a good friend. His wife just had 
um, a full-blown hysterectomy, and they use a robot and that makes recovery faster and everything like that. But God knows that machine goes haywire and starts glitching out because it's ransomware, and all of a sudden, you know, bad things happen. You can't, you don't know what that arm's going to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I'm, I'm doing a real quick Google search, mm-hmm. asking whether or not it's a crime to attack, a war crime to attack a hospital. That's why um, they use actors on their behalf. And that that's a good point. That's, that's a good point. the entire reason why North Korea hasn't been just turned into a shard. Yeah, but I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think it's cool, I guess. I mean, I, I think it's a bit much to attack healthcare yeah. facilities. I mean, the typical stuff that they do, you know, the espionage, the financial theft. Mm-hmm. That's, that's that's one thing, but when you're locking out... Uh, people are assholes. They, they are. They are. When you're, when you're keeping doctors from saving lives, I don't know. I, I think that's too companies. much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was... Uh, According to the article, you go a little bit further down. I mean, help the WannaCry ransomware attacks were backed by North Korean threat yeah. actors. So yeah, and you you remember what that caused? That for was tough. Security professionals. That was tough. So I think we actually experienced a couple of events relating to that. So mm-hmm. that was a tough time. So this one is the Maui ransomware ransomware um, one. I'm completely unfamiliar with. Yeah, that's completely new. Yeah, I haven't heard of it. Um, so if you, if you read further in the article, which we will obviously include in, in the notes of the video, it goes on to say, Since then, North Korean nation-state crews have dabbled in multiple ransomware strains, such as VHD, Maui, and Holy Ghost, to generate a steady stream of illegal revenues for the sanctions-hit regime. I guess that kind of answers my question as to why they would be doing it versus getting paid directly by North Korea. is because North Korea is broke. Fair enough. But they still they do those pretty little rocket shows where they shoot one up and it goes off in the water because it can't clear. Yeah, yeah. What's that fat guy's name over there that runs that place? Kim Jong Un. Kim Jong Un. Yeah. yeah, I'm probably gonna get an ugly email from him. You get a calendar invite. A calendar invite. This is the the missile hits once I figure out how to make it get there. <laughs> so one thing I did think was cool the the article mentions and this is just it's cool that they're doing this. I I think it's still crappy that they're attacking hospitals, but. Uh, so the the DPRK actors have been p- putting themselves forward as you called it R evil. I, I've always pronounced pronounced it as rebel. That the, that ransomware group basically they're putting on masks, acting like they're somebody else, so that yeah, we I don't mean, point the finger at them. Never follow my lead when it comes to how to pronounce something. Because <laughs> I said regime earlier Re- instead yeah. of regime. That was good so, times. <laughs> my crew can't read. <laughs> But it's, it's neat to me that they're they're trying to th- their article uses the term evade attribution, and I think that's that's cool that they're uh, covering their tracks by looking like a different attacker group. I mean, <clears throat> they know that the U.S., the U.K., Germany, our missiles can reach them. They can. They so can. if they get directly, you know, point blank, your nation state is doing this and it's causing deaths of you know civilians that have no there's no we don't care you and i don't <laughs> care as a human being what north korea does as long as they don't mess with us right and, you know but one of the things that i found funny is the article goes on to talk about attack chains right mm-hmm. and you know apache log 4j okay that was still common surprisingly right, because right. people just won't patch their stuff it's almost expected yeah <laughs> but the second item listed is a sonic wall <laughs> now uh, 
if you found this channel because of my other channel, then you know I am a Fortinet SME, and I absolutely despise Sonicwall. Oh, despise? I know you despise Despise. Me. Didn't know that. Sonicwall, ASA, and Checkpoint, they can all kiss my butt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically, if you're not running a PAN or a Fortinet device, you're just kind of wasting your time. But not because of vulnerabilities, right? Just because Not of because of vulnerabilities, just because they suck. Yeah, because cost gonna, per megabit. Because let's know, Fortinet had some stuff pop up. I was about to say you can't call them out without pointing out. I had a lot of egg on my face from that too, because I used to talk Did a you? lot of smack about it, and they're like, oh, you know, you were yeah. vulnerable to this. I'm like, yeah, it is what it is. It was a particularly couple of ugly ones, but this one looks to be the same, a similar type of thing. Which the the vulnerabilities that affected uh, the, the SSL VPN vulnerabilities that affected Fortinets also affected other uh, technologies, right? Yeah. I think SonicWall was one of them. So this same vulnerability may be what they're taking advantage of uh, to VPN into these networks. It's because the SonicWalls don't get patched because people that buy SonicWalls don't buy support because the device sucks. They just need to throw it away. (laughs) (laughs) That's personal opinion based on 15 years of experience with firewalls in general. Anyways. (laughs) Um. They're certainly not creative in the way that they do things because no, they, they're not developing their own stuff. They don't have to be. Hardly. Because this crap's still working. Yeah, I mean, they're using, like, you guys you guys remember BitLocker, right? And Deadbolt yeah. and all that. Um, they're still using those out-of-the-box, I don't want to call it cots because, you know, like, it's not. <laughs> out-of-the-box, you pick it up and look is, at grocery store. It is off the shelf, though. Yeah. It's just yeah, the yeah. shelf is virtual and it's on the dark web. Right. So right, but that, that's, they're still using the same tactics because the same tactics are effective. So why would you develop new tactics when the old ones are working fine? If you're still winning the war, if it's stupid but it works, it's not stupid. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, log four J vulnerable, dude. How long? How what? Two years now? Was that twenty? Oh, oh, bless it. No, that's log four J's been. Yeah, yeah, 21. And, and I, I get the reason that it's still out there is because it's so embedded, it's embedded so deeply in a lot of these services that it's difficult to get patches pushed out to it. But the fact that it, we're still running these vulnerable applications, that's the reason they can keep taking advantage of this stuff. I think security vendors booger a lot of people up too. What do you mean? Virtual patching. They like to throw that term yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to worry so much about that vulnerability. Your next generation firewall is going to virtual patch it for you using this IPS sensor. Look, I'm going to go ahead and tell you if you ever have a technical engineer tell you that, you need to kick them out of your office. Yeah. Yeah, they can help mitigate temporarily, but you got to patch. Yeah. you got to patch. They may have a killer IPS that may be super effective, but you still got to patch, man. There may be a new exploit that they're un- I mean, unaware of. How many organizations do you know that actually do deep packet inspection? Very few. Very few. And 80% of traffic, including malware, yeah. is encrypted. I, I know of, of one because I personally saw to it start to finish that we got that in place. <laughs> That's a big-ass agency, too. Uh, it was a big agency. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it took a lot of effort. <clears throat> so. Right. Yeah. Um, so one, before we move on. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up as part of this ransomware discussion, not necessarily related to threat actors, sort of, I guess it is. Um, the joint advisory 
publication that came out between CISA and South Korea. I believe those were the two organizations involved, whatever. But that, that advisory that came out on February 9th spoke to the potential sanctions for paying a ransomware ransom. And I did a quick oh, Google magic search. Sanctions for paying a ransom? Yeah. Meaning if you got compromised as a business, you would possibly And you pay the sanctioned. ransom. It's possible that that you can be sanctioned for funding terrorist activities or, or whatever they associate well, that with. Uh, you guys better make sure your backups are on point because Biden's coming for you if you have to pay to get your data back, apparently. Crazy. So we'll, and we'll include this link also. And I'm, I may misunderstand it in the like eight seconds I read through it, but it's a, a treasury.gov publication. Um, well, load it up. Let's check it out. 10-4. We have internet here. We're sophisticated Southerners. <laughs> sophisticated. So there was an advisory on potential sanctions risks for facilitating ransomware payments that was published in 2020. And then it was updated September 21st of 2021. Um, and it just talks about the potential sanctions risks for paying ransoms. Uh, is it paying ransoms or is it facilitating the Facilitating ransomware payments. So that can be like Bitcoin exchanges and things like that. Though. Yeah. Which is probably who it would cater more towards than the actual victim. Well, and I might need to actually read the article before I start talking about it too in depth or the publication, but the fact that they have something printed out here talking about that. Yeah, I think that has to do because they're having trouble keeping up with all these exchanges and everything and what they're doing. Especially like you got that FTX kid that, you know, only has 100000 to his name, but what? That's it, dude. Yeah. What? Because they say that the ransomware payments with the sanctions nexus. Hang on. i got to figure out what that means. But it, paying ransomware payments threatens U.S. national security interests. So they don't, you, you are paying a, yeah. a threat. Yeah, they don't terrorists. appreciate that too much. <laughs> but we'll leave billions of weapons out there for... Billions of dollars well, of weapons out see, there for Afghanistan and Ukraine. See, that, that's, that's different. I'm just kidding. It's not different at all. That, except that it wasn't payment. It was just the weapons themselves. It's payment. It's <laughs> My opinion is way, it's way worse. <laughs> Which, we're broken. It is what it is. If, in, a, in a situation where the victim could potentially be sanctioned because of being the victim, that's a nightmare. Especially if, I mean, their whole livelihood goes away. I'm, I guess I would expect the government to give us some type of recourse or payment so, I, you know, they want $300,000 from me. You're going to give me my business value? That way I can stand it back up, which you know they won't. No, they won't. They won't. But, so. yeah. Um, so there is the International Emergency Economic Powers Act or the Trading with the Enemy Act. That sounds like something Trump would have come up with. <laughs> That's Trump verbiage right there. That sounds like it. Uh, U.S. persons are generally prohibited from engaging in transactions directly or indirectly with individual, uh, individuals or entities um, on specially designated nationals and blocked persons lists. Don't get compromised by <laughs> ransomware without having quality backups right. that are air-gapped and immutable, because if you do, you are in trouble. You might, uh, you might come under some sanctions. Might. Not, I, don't, I think that's kind of loosely followed. I don't think they enforce it much at the moment, but, dude, they might start. I think it's more... You know, because I'm a lawyer, not really. Mm. I it has to be more centered towards exchanges or something. 
they wrote it vague as hell so they could go after whoever they want. Well, that's how they write laws. Yeah. yeah. I t- sorry, officer. I didn't know. I couldn't do that. Ignorance is no excuse. This is true. <clears throat> Which leads us into a segue, right? Mandiant. <laughs> Huge, awesome cybersecurity firm. Yeah. We are big. We've done work with Mandiant. Yep. We've had them assist us in situations. They and did they a phenomenal did, job. They did great work, yeah. Back in 2022, was it September? Mm-hmm. They got bought by Google. Yeah. Which makes this next article kind of funny. In that hackers are using Google ads to spread fatal rat malware disguised <laughs> as popular apps. So if you live in the Southeast or in, you know, East Asia, chances are you have been targeted by new rogue Google ads campaigns that deliver remote access trojans such as fatal rat that compromise machines. Um you would think, considering their reach and the properties they own, they would have had some type yeah. of automated sandbox or something that would catch that, right? Yeah, or a, a publishing process that lets that, that sandboxes the the ad media before it goes live. Yeah, I mean you they do. So. They have to approve the ad before it goes live. At least here in the States, they do. So how the heck is that getting through? It has to be a delayed detonation thing. I guess. Maybe. Maybe. And they go on to say, uh, and this is also a Hacker News article, which may or may not be available elsewhere. The websites and installers downloaded from them were mostly in Chinese, and in some cases falsely offered Chinese language versions of software that is not available in China, which is kind of interesting because you got that Great Wall of China thing going on mm. over there, where the Great Firewall of China, and <laughs> they're just letting stuff come in. So yeah, um, Mandiant was rocking ten years ago with uh, with their EDR capability. I think before it was even called EDR, they had like this manual EDR um, agent that they could they could manually go pull services and interactions and um, log data and stuff oh, like that. that. Was wicked. Yeah, it was rocking. Yeah, um, it's one of those things that you would install and it would tell you this is what happened and how mm-hmm. they got in and da 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 da. Yeah, and if they're still there. I know, didn't they, were they owned by FireEye or were they just part of FireEye? No, FireEye bought them, I don't know, sometime. Because they're now part of a group called Trellis. Trellix? Trellix. Trellix, yeah. I can't pronounce things. So, I mean, some some group called STG went out and bought like uh, McAfee Enterprise and Mm -hmm. and main... uh, and uh, FireEye. And FireEye. And yeah. And then re- rebranded themselves. Rebranded as it as Trellis. Trellis. Yeah. It's crazy to see how cybersecurity firms are just getting scooped up left and right. And I've seen this Mandian has bounced around a couple of times. Like FireEye did buy them. I, I, I can't remember if somebody else between FireEye and Google bought them, but. Um, I mean, Google owns them now. Yeah. I guess it surprises me that they get sold like that. Or maybe relatively on FireEye. Oh, that may have been it. I don't remember. There's too much of that going on. I can't keep up. Mandiant used to be FireEye. Mandiant Inc., the leader in dynamic cyber defense and response today, announced that this corporate name change from FireEye Inc. is now effective. I'm so confused. I don't. 
I don't remember, dude. I want I want to say that one of them bought the other, and it may have been that FireEye bought Mandiant and then named themselves FireEye. I yeah, it'd be like <clears> buying, <throat> you buy a company that has better branding and you just assume they're branding because your branding was trash or you suckered a whole bunch of investors into <laughs> buying your stock under company A, but company B is going to be much more profitable with that name. Yeah. I don't know. So Whatever. They've, cool. they've bounced around a couple of times. Um, yeah. But they were the the standard back 10 years ago as far as endpoint detection and response goes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, North Korean hackers basically kicking healthcare places' butts to fund Ill- illicit activities. And then companies that own some of the best cybersecurity knowledge workers on the planet are being utilized to actually spread rats across South Asia. <laughs> Maybe they just don't care as much because there's not a whole lot you're going to get through in China. No, but... There's a lot of Taiwan and Singapore and Philippines, Thailand, Indonesia, and Myanmar. I can't pronounce that. That's where that Rambo movie... Not Rambo. Yeah, yeah that was a Rambo right. movie. Myanmar, you mean? I, yeah, I can't pronounce yeah. it. <laughs> So, but yeah. All right. So, you know, article number one is talking about North Korea being gangster with healthcare organizations. Yep. We kind of divvied into potential fallback if you actually pay the ransom because you could potentially be funding terrorist activities, at least in the U.S. Yeah. I don't know if other countries do different. And then we kind of wrapped it up with laughing at Google and Mandiant because Mandiant is always considered the, the big belt buckle and, you know, in the the Batman the belt yeah, that is there we go the Go- cybersecurity yeah with the cybersecurity <laughs> belt of Gotham and that's a thing a company that owns them is u- being utilized to help spread their stuff everywhere so that, I guess that brings us to a head at you know what can you do to mitigate ransomware and malware and things like that ransomware is the heavy hitter because that's the one that's going to nuke your environment and get the mm-hmm. quick payout so what are some steps that organizations, state agencies, things like that can do to help, not necessarily guarantee they won't get it, but guarantee that they might not have to pay the ransom. And I say might not have to pay the ransom because obviously they'll do data exfiltration to screw you up and say, well, we're going to release it. That's just dirty, man. That's just dirty. It's because backup solutions got really good. Yeah. And they were like, well, crap, we're not making the money we used to, so how do we adjust? So so what can they do? So... Like like the the first article we went through named several vulnerabilities that are years old that are still being exploited by these threat actors. So patch so patch for crying out loud! I remember you doing a video in your truck, in the truck. talking about patch patch your crap, yeah. patch your stuff, <laughs> patch your stuff, yeah. And that that's that's one of the biggest things. Uh, what is it, the cyber hygiene steps? Is patch your stuff. Get get vulnerabilities patched. Yeah. Because these publicly available services that have vulnerabilities in them, when you've got one that's vulnerable to a remote code execution, Log4j, yeah, they can be taken advantage of and they can have a shell directly on your hosts and then have direct access to your environment. You, I mean, you also, just implementing CIS top 20, because the first two is know what you have and know what you have, right? Yeah. You know, hardware and software. Hardware and software, right. You can't right. patch what you don't know you have. Mm-hmm. So get a good inventory of software and hardware, patch it, make sure it's not vulnerable to any of this crap that's two to four years old, six years old, 
I mean, dude, I can't say that enough. The, the a lot of the Fed agencies have come out with timelines, and I think I think we've talked about it before. The Fed agencies have come out with timelines for patching like critical vulnerabilities seven days from when the patch is released. Seven mm-hmm. days. You have to get all of your testing, your second tier, and your production stuff patched in seven days. Yeah, that's fast, but the exploits are coming out the day that the vulnerabilities are announced. Are announced. Yeah, the moment the bad guys know about it, they're finding right. a way to take advantage right. of it. Right. So patch, goodness gracious patch. Um, so the second one I think would be backups. Immutable backups. Immutable backups. Oh, well, for those of us that don't know, it, it that's wrong because I do know. Explain what an immutable backup is to um, someone that might may have not. never heard the term. Gotcha. Okay, so an immutable backup is basically a backup that can't be overwritten. It gets written once, and then you can just read from it. You can't write it, write and, to it again. Which is really groovy and very important because in situations where the backups run the same dang network, as the compromised machines, they were like, oh, we got backups. And then they go to restore them. And those are encrypted, <laughs> those are encrypted too. Also. <laughs> so immutable backups are yeah. a godsend. Obviously, there's a lot of good companies that do it. You have like Rubrik, Veeam. I think Cohesity does as well. I'm going to throw one out that's that's new that's new to me. It's fairly new. I've known about it for a few months, but I've only seen one client that uses it, Panzura. Oh, which, yeah, Panzura. That's, they're like a distributed file system uh, technology. It's like, it's pretty dope. Based it's on awesome. Saying. So the, the way that their, their technology works is their, their cloud technology. Uh, so you can access their, their cloud file system just, you know, in, anywhere basically. But when a file is written, so it writes it in these blocks and then it those, distributes it. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Uh, but, but the blocks themselves are immutable. So you can't overwrite these blocks. If you update the file, well, it writes new blocks, but leaves the old ones in place. So if the file is encrypted, it'll write encryption and write the encryption in all new blocks, and then you just nice. roll the file back to the previous set of blocks. That is cool. totally cool. Yeah. Now we we don't receive funding or anything from them. No, it's, no. We've literally we have one client that has it. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Uh, we're singing its praises because we the white paper and what we're actually seeing it do is pretty killer. Pretty killer. Right. Right. And it can run on standard hardware. Yeah, it just runs on Windows. It can run within a VM, whatever. It just runs on Windows. Cool. Um, but the the kicker for it, not just the immutability is really cool. But the kicker for it is the re- restoration time, because you're restoring pointers instead of the entire file. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. <coughs> so I don't know. I think those are the two main main things. There's a bunch of other things to do: uh, proper authentication, proper access control. Not, not even that. Program man, overall. I think, <laughs> they're going to have to have a security program, but I would add one third item. Okay. Training. Fair enough. Because what do we always say? It's going to be that little front desk lady. Yeah, yeah. That's never received an invoice <laughs> in her life. And she's going to open it. Oh, I got to pay this invoice. <laughs> so, so, yeah, guys, that's what we consider as uh, nation state actors. And it's not just us, it's general industry beliefs. Um, and some of our comments on it. Obviously, we're going to have the uh, the articles posted in the comment or in the description section below, and we would like to hear your comments and beliefs on this. And then, of course, um, what are you doing to help ensure that you don't get owned by ransomware? Oh yeah, this is a worldwide issue. We could certainly help 
but we could certainly use any additional ideas. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed hearing Brad and I banter back and forth a little slovenly about the things that are, <laughs> no, uh, you know, nation state actors and why we don't agree with them attacking healthcare. Um, I don't care about finances or anything like that, but do us a favor. If you like the video, hit like, if you haven't subscribed already, hit subscribe. You're doing us a favor and helping other people find the content. If you didn't like it, hit dislike because I want the engagement regardless. And until next time, remember security is achievable and it doesn't have to be too expensive to do it. So stay safe. Patch your stuff. Patch your stuff. Okay.